Your Say on London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen, LBC 97.3. Very confusing. But I nearly had kittens yesterday thinking. I was sitting there thinking, I had to phone my bank manager up. Yeah. And I said, hello, Poppet, because you know we have a good relationship. Hello, Popsy. No, 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 don't use Popsy. <laughs> oh. Only use Poppet. And uh, I said, when did we pay VAT last? And she went, March. She went, March... April, oh God, I said the VAT's due. Ladies and gentlemen, if we need any more proof that Steve Allen is rolling in cash, the fact that you've got a direct line to your bank manager who you call Poppet, I think is... is <laughs> <laughs> I don't think and we need to know so. any more. She wouldn't look on that as a bonus at all. Oh no, I've, I've had her for years. Yeah. Had her for years. She's my private bank manager. Well, actually, my mum's the same though. When I, yeah. when I need my mum to ever transfer money or if I'm saying to her, oh mum, yeah. you know, I owe you this, she, she rings the bank managers directly and she does everything over over the phone, or she goes in and sees the bank manager. Shouldn't do any internet banking. Shouldn't do any of that. I, I have internet banking as well, mm. but in fact, all we do, my money goes in every month yeah. after I invoice here, which I've got to do for tomorrow. Oh, well, I've got to do that too. It's got to be done. <gasps> There's so much to be done at the so moment. So much to do at the moment. I've got VAT to do today. Fit a new water pump. Do my invoice for here. Oh my word! Remember to to check with Claire about something else, and that. Uh, and yeah. then, luckily, at the end of the month... Then we're I'm, meeting for coffee. Then we're meeting for coffee and a light brunch. Yeah, light brunch, which is yeah. Great. And then perhaps a swim. And then a swim. Nice. Yeah, and we're going to go swimming and a sauna and, uh, together. Of course, it's nice. different counties. <laughs> different counties for the sauna. what? <laughs> we did actually, one time, we did, have a, we did go swimming. I did go swimming with my producer. Did you? Yeah. Which one was that? I can't remember which one it was, actually. But I remember we, we went swimming and sat, I went to... Have you ever been to a club? They, they, set, they went through a phase in London called... They were, like... Waterworld or Splash World oh, or whatever. Okay, no. And they held these discos in swimming pools. They held a disco in a swimming pool? Yes. Wow. And this one was at uh, Fulham. Yeah. At the Fulham so Bar. Did you go to the disco? Well, it, well the, 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 what they do is they actually took over the whole swimming pool, the saunas yeah. and everything else, and you could drink and go swimming and sit in the saunas. Sounds like a deadly combination. Well, it really. was a deadly combination. But <laughs> I, don't, I only ever went to one. Got a bit frightened. Sloshed people, drunk in a pool. Yes. Not, not a good combination. <laughs> Sounds like any holiday I've ever been on, actually. <laughs> yes, you're right, actually. It does sound like... Oh, sorry. Oh, dear. That's no, so you're boring. And, uh... <laughs> sorry. Might as well be honest. So I've got to do all that today. <laughs> got to try and get it all done this morning. I think I could do, do the VAT early. Because, <laughs> you know, you, if, if you file on... Well, you don't know, because you don't. But if you file online, you've got codes to put in. Oh. I've got a 16-digit number and then my password. And I should have written it down. I, no, I remembered all that. No, yeah. I remembered all that bit. It's remembering what, what, what rate of VAT I'm paying is the problem. You, you should give me all of your passwords for online banking and all those kinds of things. Because I read a really interesting report about how a lot of people, when they're reaching um, <clears throat> their more senior years, the, the, should we say the autumn winter of their lives? Um, twilight years. <laughs> twilight years. The, I don't know who I am or what I'm having for breakfast. Exactly. I mean, you, know, you know, you're on the cusp of that. And a lot of people now, they don't, they don't give away any of their passwords in their will or anything like that. So no one, when they, when they die, no one knows how to get into their banking, no one knows how to get into their iTunes, anything like that. So if you wrote those down for me, put them in an envelope, I won't open it, yeah. I promise. That's good of you. Until the day that you shuffle off this mortal coil. Strangely enough, uh, my, my bank manager is the only one who knows all my banking passwords. Oh, well, I don't think that's very safe to have your bank manager with. I think it's better to give it to me. You're probably right, actually. You are a lot safer than she is. No, she, she knows everything. So when my money goes in, yeah. she says, right, I've paid your visa bill. I've done your transfers. My, what, what kind of relationship what have you got with this bank manager? Well, it's quite normal. 
Isn't it? I've never known anything like that. Yeah, and she said, I've transferred some money to your other account. You must earn a fortune. <laughs> your bank manager's on it for you, right? I've done your visa bill for you, Steve. Can I get your laundry now? Any ironing you need done? I never to do the laundry, <laughs> but now you come to mention it. No, no, it's, it's very useful. So she's only got to do a transfer to another account I have, yeah. which pays the mortgage. Yeah. And then... She we... does all that for you without asking. She does all that yeah. for you. Wow. That is good. Yeah. For free. For free? Yeah, of course. Gosh. In fact, sadly, I, I did complain some years ago that I didn't get a Christmas card from my bank. Oh, right. And what did you get? Else seemed... <laughs> the next week you got a hamper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had the hamper. That was from Costco. <laughs> um, but I, I didn't get a Christmas card. And, and, and they said the reason you don't get a Christmas card is because you don't owe us any money. If I had a loan with them, I would uh, get a Christmas okay, card. OK, I get because it. because they don't make anything out of me... Well, yeah, but your money goes in there. My money goes in there, true. But we, we transfer to the tax account, because I learnt that through bitter experience mm. years ago. You've got to have your money set aside for your tax. So when the tax man comes on the door, I've got the money there. Right. And she tells me, so, so, so I've got the VAT to pay now, which will come out probably in about ten days' time. Oh, my word. Honestly, it's just it's a, it's a, it's a web of... of it's, it's like Bearings Bank. It, do you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost offshore. <laughs> you almost, almost offshore. <laughs> Which you is funny. Well, I tell you what, I watched the uh, Britain's Got Talent last night. Mm. It's fiddled. It's fiddled. There's no two ways about it. They've got all the people on there. There was a very good two, two fella, th- th- three fellas, who I think were called Two and a Half Men, who were very good and could have performed in front of the Queen. Instead, oh, and there's a woman who plays the or- they, an organ. Mm. They put her through. I mean, for what reason? I've got no idea. Oh, dear. And the little... She wasn't very good. She wasn't very good, in my oh, opinion. I didn't, I didn't you have watch to think: it. Are they building? As somebody said, they're not interested in pick, picking an act for all variety. They're picking acts that can go on tour and make Simon money. Oh yeah, and they're picking acts that will make a good final. They're picking yes. acts that are good variety. And we're still waiting for one one direction to actually release a record. So far, they've had an autobiography. Mm. They've had lots of clothing outfits and all the rest of it, but no record. So mm. what did we put so through? Without yesterday? direction, we feel <laughs> yes. Well, well, we 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 put through four uh, black guys who claimed that they, they, they didn't have any... So they just rehearsed in each other's bedrooms. They've all been in West End shows. And what you heard last night was what they told us they weren't going to do on the, on the uh, Britain's Got Talent. They enhanced them with backing tracks. Oh. Not only with backing tracks, but these boys, when you actually heard their voices come through, they couldn't sing for Toffee. They were stone flat. So it's all... It's, it's all, all enhanced. And surprise, surprise, they went through. Oh, and I thought... It's just rubbish. What did you think about Tuliza with... Did you see Tuliza's outfit? Why did she turn up in her pyjamas for the yeah, X Factor audition? Have you noticed that they all came with the same thing? Cheryl, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Except Louise Walsh, known as Lulu, for obvious reasons. Uh, um, I like Louis Walsh. I do though. like Louis Walsh. You always he, get a good quote from Louis but Walsh. He isn't, but he isn't the sort of the rough, tough person that everybody mm. says he... They say, oh, Louis tells it like he is. No, he doesn't. He says the same to everybody. He comes up with this drippy saying, which is... You're going to be a star. Yeah. You look like a pop star. You look, sound like a yeah, pop star. You're going to be a pop star, <laughs> and you think so. You've got who, dear? You've got Westlife, <laughs> yeah. and that's it. Oh, and there's another little thing banded in Wonderland, I think, which he's got with Kean. Oh yeah, that's true. But he's he's not. He's never been very good with girl bands. He's no. always been better with boy bands. Yes. Because he was better with Boyzone, he was yeah. brilliant with Westlife, but then he had Girls Aloud. That didn't. That he wasn't brilliant with Girls Aloud because no, uh, he, he was never good with girls. I want. I, I told you once we actually had an Irish band on Five's Company, and mm. all the, we used to get all the boy bands on. Yeah, and we had a a group called what were they called now? They were an Australian band, and there was something like 
Mother Nature or something mm. like that. Or nature. Anyway, they were superb. Mm. Uh, they weren't a boy band. They were sort of, they were adults, but they a were very band. good. A man band. But they're appearing in, in Vegas. Oh, okay. They've got a huge show over there. And we had another Irish boy band on, and they have their backing track, and they mimed the backing track. Oh. But what a lot of the boy bands did was they would sing along with it. Uh, yes. And all the girls would turn up in the audience. We had this partic- I wish I could remember what they were called. I'll have to go through my tapes. And, um, and they, they went through it, and they started singing. Unfortunately, what went out on air was not the backing track, but them singing. Oh. And it was... They couldn't sing. It was awful. So did they think that they were singing along they with the backing track? They thought they were singing track. along with the backing track, and the manager apparently is going absolutely ape. Turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. But you and can't, course, halfway through live television... So they blindly carried on singing tone deaf. Oh, Because 99% of these bands cannot sing. No. It's all enhanced, it's all click track, and it's all auto-tune. And when I saw these little black guys last night, these were the ones, if you remember, when they came on first time around, they were dreadful. And Amanda went, stop, 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 stop. Have you got another song? Oh, here we go. And you think... You fiddled it. Yeah, because nobody gets two chances except these little... And then, surprise, surprise, they get put through. Because, surprise, surprise, they had an a cappella song. Having heard them last night, when they fought their way through this overimposed backing track yeah. with other people singing, they were dreadful. Absolutely awful. They could not sing for Toffee. But it doesn't, doesn't matter, does it? You're just going to stick it's them in a studio. Good, it's about good television. They don't give two hoots who they have Well, the little the funny boy with the funny little haircut, hmm. who looks like he's got too much hair on his head... Oh, is he the guy who went through the other night? Yeah, he sort yeah. of... He went to see Ollie Murs and The new uh, uh, ju- uh, Justin Bieber, they say. Like, like a Justin Bieber. Yeah. He's, he's a little bit affected, we think. But it's way, it wouldn't surprise us all if he liked musicals. You know? <laughs> get my drift? You know, he likes a little whip-crack-away, whip-crack-away, whip-crack-away. And... Uh, <laughs> you could say that. We're heading straight for town. <laughs> oh, he likes musicals. Loads of people like musicals. He's just a little bit affected. And it's just... And they go, he's already going to get a contract, and they'll have an album out at Christmas. He's going to bloody buy. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, yeah, mm. it's yeah. it's all it is. It's, <laughs> it's here, here, here for a year for an album, and then goodbye. Yeah, it's all, but that's all care. it is. You, you picked up and you spat out. Yeah. Ask Cheryl. Well, you not know. only ask Cheryl. Ask um, who was that other one who liked musicals? Who had an album out and then got dropped by. Oh. S- Joe McEldry. Oh, exactly. Joe same. McEldry. He actually said in an interview the other day. He said, "I knew it was." He said it was only a one-album deal because that's all they're going to risk. Yeah. Because they're not going to say give you five albums if the first one bombs. No, unless you're Leona or someone who does amazingly well Absolutely. in the first Even album. Even she's fizzled out. Well, yeah, it's, it's true she has. But um, Joe McEldry, he's doing pop star to opera star now. Well, he'd have to. Yeah, he has to do. It's a reality show, basically. It's, it's a reality show, and that's what they all do. They all end up on I always television. said it. I, I remember when I used to speak about it on my weekend show, I saw Joe McEldry, and I said, he's brilliant, lame is by March. Yeah. And it's true. He's lame is. Not, not quite butch enough for lame is. <laughs> I, I have, unless he's playing the innkeeper's wife. <laughs> I don't... To be Crazy honest Bennett with does a brilliant job of that, Tra- actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, I, I don't think lame is well. John Lee did, did lame is yeah, well. He was very great. good. He was fine. But Joe McEldry's a bit... He's a bit too smiley-smiley. Maybe he's more hairspray. I think he's more hairspray. Actually, that's interesting. Yes, I think he would be more hairspray. Yeah, he'd be He's tiny, though. Yeah, he's very, very small. He's so tiny. You think... You need to... I know that not everybody's tall in the West End. I mean, you are a giant in radio terms. Of course. Thank you very much. Not as big as me. I mean, I'm sort of more Statue of Liberty. You're more... I don't know... Some dog from Scotland on a pedestal or something. Really? Yes. I think think you are Greyfriars Bobby. Oh. I take that as a... a Compliment. Greyfriars Bobby, Disney made a film about. 
Grief Rose Brobby, after his master died, he sat at his grave for a long time. I see you a bit like that with me. I see me sort of dying and you sitting there sobbing into a small handkerchief holding some plastic flowers. Yeah. That's a fantasy, probably. Disney made a film about us as well, you know. Here we go. Beauty and the Beast. Yes, I know. And was I not happy to play Beauty, ladies and gentlemen? Because I knew I'd seen you somewhere before. I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. Lovely working with you. Lovely working with you and looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. I can't wait. Meet me. Meet me till next Wednesday. Yes. And then I'm off on holiday. Yes. That's a shame, isn't it? You think you're going further than customs, don't you? That's, <laughs> it's so funny, ladies and gentlemen. I, uh, you know, when I say goodbye to you on that Tuesday morning, we have to have a little yeah. cuddle. And when I get you to sign the piece of paper, it's just flight insurance. Oh, okay? is it? Nothing, nothing special if you can do that. Oh, uh, of course I will. Yeah, it's very me. kind of you to sort that out for Yes, me. I've sorted it. Oh, believe you me. <laughs> <laughs> Sort it all out. Yes, you will be met. <laughs> Going in and out. See you tomorrow. Bye. Bless your heart. He's so funny, isn't he? He really is. <clears throat> That's Christo. Sixteen minutes past five. Indeed, nineteen minutes past five. So I turned on the telly yesterday. No, this morning. And I was watching a bit of Watchdog, and I was intrigued because how many of you, hands up, order pizza over the telephone? Lots of people probably order pizza over the telephone. I mean, it's, it's good, cheap food, and they cost them about a quid to make, and they make about 900% profit. It's as simple as that. So uh, they went on yesterday, and they went, and I think, if memory serves me, it was Domino's Pizza. So they go online, and, and when I saw the price, I thought, that's a bit expensive. Because a friend of mine has got an Italian restaurant. He reckons he can make a giant pizza, you know, large size, for a quid, that's including the toppings and everything. They're so cheap to make. So when you see a pizza in a shop and they go, you know, three ninety nine plus two toppings of your choice, you know, big deal, a Coke and a Viennetta and this and that, they're making a fortune out of it because it's just it's crap food. So they go to Domino's online and they order a pizza. It's a large pizza and it's seventeen ninety nine, which I thought seemed extortionate for a large pizza. So anyway, they then go, and it was Rick Wakeman, he then goes to, to Domino's to pick it up. And he notices in the window, pizza, any size, ten ninety nine. And he's going, wait a minute, I've just paid seventeen ninety nine for exactly the same thing. And the reason is that if he'd picked up the phone as opposed to ordering on the internet, he could have saved himself seven pounds. So my advice is don't order pizzas online unless you've checked what they're actually selling it for if you order it when you phone up the shop. Because chances are you can save a small fortune. So all you do, you're just being ripped off. Simple as that. They had another company there. There are quite a number of companies. You need to watch it back on the player uh, to see companies. And they, they advertise that they come round and service your Dyson. Well, I'm telling you, your Dyson doesn't need servicing. These companies are bent crooks. OK, they come round and all they were trying to do is they were trying to sell people filters that they did not need. All your filters need on a Dyson is washing. One in three homes in this country have a Dyson. It's, it's sold that well. James Dyson... Very, very successful. I mean, I've, I've bought into it, same as you buy into Apple and all the rest of it. And, um, and so the, the company come round, and they had them all filmed, and they're just crooks. Little old ladies, they say, oh, well, you need this filter here, this HEPA filter, these changing. And they're not, they're not even replacing them with genuine Dyson parts. They're using copycat things. And then, of course, when they actually turn up to one of these companies in the Midlands, they couldn't get the door closed quick enough because they know that they're bent and they're cheating people. It's, you know, it's like the fire alarm man the other week who was charging people. One woman, 30,000 quid for about £1,000 worth of fire alarms. 30,000. These people are crooks. They're crooks. And if we find them in the papers, we always tell you about them because it's, it's just ridiculous. Uh, Daily Star this morning is quite ridiculous. It always has been. And uh, most of the time, I think they just sit there and make stuff up. They say...
King Simon Cowell is no more. He was killed off by X Factor's new head judge, Gary Barlow. Uh, he, he's not. That's the trouble. Gary Barlow is very sweet, but he's, 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 quite, he's quite mild. You know, quite mild. And, um, and so the, the programmes do need him. Although he, he, somebody made him laugh yesterday. I can't remember what it was on the Britain's Got Talent. But, of course, with Simon, you can't tell he's laughing because he's had so much Botox and filler. He sort of he turns sideways and he's attempting to laugh. And I find it even funnier watching that, which is good. The cast of The Only Way is Essex apparently are charging as much as ten grand to turn up in a nightclub. Not for much longer. Um, because it's, um, it's, sort of, it's running out of steam. James Argent and poor Amy Childs. Amy, because she is just... A child, I'm afraid. But uh, anyway, uh, she's been caught leaving a nightclub with a footballer. Her boyfriend back here uh, was less than happy. And so she's uh, she's jetting off back home again with uh, three tonne of makeup troweled onto her face because she thinks that's an attractive look. Strange enough, one of the other papers uh, has done a piece on what it's like to be an Essex girl. And uh, the answer is, it's you know, you've seen better dressed lap dancers because these, these poor girls from Brentwood, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I lived in Brentwood for many years, um, just look as though they should be standing on street corners going, hello, darling, hello, want to come home with me? You know, that kind of stuff. And so they've done a whole, whole make-up with the spray tan and all the rest of it. It just looks cheap and tarty. Uh, Imogen Thomas, she was on Big Brother, apparently. Remember Imogen? She was a Big Brother winner. She's, um, she was, never heard of her. She was, she was a Big Big Brother winner. She's, uh, she's a very famous girl, very, very famous girl. But apparently she launched a foul mouth rant against people after somebody on, after a wag on Twitter told her to shut up. And it's a woman called Judy Sissy, I think it is. She's the uh, the wife of ex-Liverpool and Sunderland striker Gibril. I don't even know who that is. Do you know who that is? Oh, you don't know either. <laughs> Doesn't help, does it? But anyway, she, she was actually saying, she actually gave her an interview in in one of the papers. This, this is Judy saying, all I hear on the radio is infidelity. You know, people have done that. She said... People do it all the time. You know, everybody has, has affairs. I mean, I don't have affairs. Will doesn't have affairs either. But, I mean, lots of people have affairs nowadays. And she said, um, it, it's ridiculous. She says, how can you believe it's more than sex? She says, when you only see somebody for an hour a week or two hours a week. You know, it's just sex. It's not the rest of it. And, uh, and she says, why would you want to admit to the whole world, you know, which I think she was speaking generally, that you'd, ha- that you'd had an affair with somebody? I mean, to be honest with you, I can't understand it either. I don't know why somebody would sleep with, you know, a famous show business person and then go to the papers. That's prostitution. You're, you're making money out of, out of selling a story because of what you did. And we've always looked at these sort of people who do that as a bit low life, bit trailer trash. They go out there. They're, they're generally the sort of people who turn up on the Kyle show masquerading as celebrities. And, uh, and they go on there and they want to tell you about their turgid little lives. You know, we've had people before, you know, oh, I was a, I was a high-class hooker. You never find anybody being a low-class hooker, do you? you all, they're always high-class hookers. And, uh, and so this girl here um, just launched a rant against people saying, for goodness sake, shut up, shut up. Nobody's interested in your silly little lives. And I totally agree. Talking of silly little lives, here he is, big fat gypsy wedding, Paddy, Paddy Doherty, or Doherty. My God. God, he's an out-of-shape thing. And he apparently uh, was swooped on by officers who swooped on a convoy of travellers' vehicles arresting 11 men and seizing three guns. That'll be charming, won't it, really? And here they are. This is revenge from Johnny Joyce with his brother Dougie and their father John. So Johnny Joyce, John Joyce and Dougie Joyce. They're all a bit numpty and a little bit oompa-loompa-ish, but, uh, but that's that. And then, who's getting married? Is it Lily Allen? 
I remember Lily Allen saying, only a short while ago, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I mean, either, you know, this girl emanates rubbish every time she opens her sort of uh, her mouth, but she said she wanted a quiet wedding, she wanted to opt out of the showbiz scene. So she's getting married in a little village, and she's paid the police to seal off all the roads so that no- locals will be issued with passes. It's coming to something, isn't it, really, where some naff old thing like Lily Allen you know, can actually get your village closed down because she wants to get married, because in her sad, tiny little pea-like brain, she seems to think she's some sort of celebrity. If I lived in the village, I'd be saying to the police, get out of my way before I take out an injunction against you. This is a... You cannot close off public roads because some old has-been wants to get married in our village. Tell her to sod off and get married somewhere else. It's ridiculous. So she's paying all this extra money so that she can close off the village, but the locals will be getting passes. Well, big bully for them. Let's see how strong they are. Let's see if they can actually rally around and go, I tell you what, darling, why don't you fuck her off and get married somewhere else? We don't want you getting married in our village. It's not right. Oh, a man has been voted into the FHM magazine's 100 Sexiest Women, ahead of Lady Gaga. This is uh, Andrzej Pezik, who was in 98th place. You saw a picture of him. He was on the catwalk. He just, he just looks very, very feminine. And, uh, I mean, it, 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 he isn't a sex change or anything like that. He is, he is just a bloke who happens to look quite feminine, so they put him on the catwalks. Mind you, I'm led to believe, I don't want to worry anybody, but round the back of the Hilton, where all the ladies of the night go, I'm led to believe a good 70% are blokes. OK? They just, they're halfway through sex changes and stuff like that. So, uh, just, I just w- want to warn you now, just in case you were thinking of going behind the Hilton to see the, you know, actresses who have large wardrobes for sale. and people. It's amazing how many actresses are working round there. They've all got large wardrobes for sale, or there was one actress had a very large chest for sale. Well, she's been advertising for ages in the local newsagent. I mean, how many chests can one person have? Ridiculous, isn't it? I suspected there was sort of an underlying trend, I'm afraid. Uh, Nicole Scherzinger, uh, she's uh, got Cheryl Cole's job in America. Simon apparently has given an interview to one of the papers today. Whether it's true, it really is Simon. And he said, listen, we bent over backwards... For Cheryl Cole, you know, we up the money and uh, nothing doing. So, to be honest with you, who cares? And here they are, TV presenter Kate Garraway, uh, getting her kicks in London Park. Kate donned boxing gloves and launched into a series of karate kicks as part of her fitness regime, joined by Claire Nazir. You remember Claire, Claire Nazir brought out the fitness video? And I've a sneaking feeling that with Kate Garraway and her, I suspect there is probably another one. Because otherwise, if you were doing this privately, you'd do it in a gym, wouldn't you, behind closed doors? You don't go into a public park just to get yourself photographed, like Claire Nazir did when she was very fat, because that's how you launch a fitness video. Because then, sadly, all the fat people out there go, well, if she can lose the weight, I can too. Yeah, the difference is she had a trainer. But I bet you anything there's going to be a fitness DVD, you know, kung fu, because, frankly, we're all sick to death of third-rate celebs going out there going, look, I managed to lose three stone. You've got to look at Colleen Nolan. You know, she lost a load of weight, and then, sadly, she's piled it back on. I mean, it's, she looks now like the size of a, of a small mid-terrace house in Liverpool. This is LBC 97.3. So, it's a really nice every company. The Aussie band I was thinking of, thank you, Stephen, is Human Nature. They're at the Imperial Palace Hotel in Las Vegas, or Lust Wages, Nevada. Great, uh, great place, and very good. But they, they sang, they actually could sing. So, uh, that's good news, you know, and, and they proved it. So many of these, these other boy band things can't, uh, oh, sorry, can't do it at all. Uh, right, where are we going to go to now? Let's talk to my friend Nathan Morley. Morning, Nathan. 
Good morning, Steve. Morning. Well, morning. I don't know what weather you've got over there. Ours is uh, apparently heat wave today. Yours is heat wave. Yeah, apparently so. Really? How does it feel now? What is it? Half past it, five. It's a bit clammy in the studio, but there again, I'm not sure if it's clammy because I'm clammy. Or if I'm wearing a uh, clammy shirt. You know, sometimes you put a shirt on, you think, well, I feel hot already in this shirt. I do. I do know that feeling very well. I, I dress very carefully in, the, in, the, in this climate. Well, so, we have to uh, our age, Everything I think. is about the right materials and yes. the right weight. So, so, so it actually works for you? For me, I, I, in the summertime, I wear um, very light cotton shirts. Oh. Always button-up shirts. Never wear T-shirts. They're dreadful in the heat. You should never wear T-shirts. Oh, awful. absolutely. I mean, I mean the, the moment you start sweating, your whole body clings to it. That's right. And you, you know, the, 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 color, the whole... I, I can't stand T-shirts. Of course, they don't look great on your body, do they? They're well, not, well, they uh, don't when you've got bodies like ours. No, no. I mean, we, we weren't designed for them. So, no. uh... They no, used I, to I, be. <laughs> yes, in the 70s. Yes. In the 70s, T-shirts <laughs> and I got on very well. But the, uh, I think most people here and in climates like this... So, after a few years, I mean, I've been out in the Middle East when I first came out here in 92, 93. Uh, you very quickly get to, to, to realise how to dress. There's a great tailor I use who does very light shirts. Mm. Very light shirts. So th- the same design, but in lots of different light colours. Oh, nice. I mean. Yes, I mean, I, yeah. I agree. All I want to buy is a shirt that you put on and it doesn't crease. There are shirts, materials like that. Yeah. There are materials like that. In Maybe fact, silk material- shirts, I think. Uh, silk's okay, but so the problem with silk in the heat's not great either. No. It, it depends where you're going. I mean, the silk can be very sticky and horrible in the oh, heat. So. Don't. I hate Sorry. it. I mean, I'm really not not good in heat. I mean, I, I, yesterday was was okay. It was sort of it was warming up a bit, and uh, and there was a slight breeze. But I thought, oh no, I hate it. What kind of temperature are you getting to in in London at the moment? Uh, about sort of twenty two, twenty threes. Right. So kind of winter conditions here. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> for, us, for us for today, it's 25 degrees, dry and mainly sunny, a bit of scattered cloud, currently 11. And okay. then I think uh, tomorrow, a good dry day, minimum 13 degrees, Saturday, 23 yeah. degrees, and Sunday, 19. There is nowhere more beautiful in the sunshine than, than Great Britain. Yeah, that, that is, it is a, such a beautiful country when it's when the weather is good. Whether mm. you're in London or uh, you know up in the north in Lincolnshire in mm. the hill or down in Kent, I think Britain is stunning. The problem is the weather is always so naff, or most of the time so naff. You you don't notice it, but yeah. when it is sunny, it's a wonderful place to be. You've just reminded um, me when we lived in Hong Kong, we used to go out driving in the car, and there would be certain places on Hong Kong Island, where you parked the car and yeah. you could have sort of like a flask of tea or coffee and you could look out and the, it was the nice view. We, we, yeah. don't, we don't tend to have places like that here. They're called car parks. <laughs> you do on the coast. Oh, do you? You do on the coast. Well, I mean, there's the thing. It's very easy to forget that Britain is an island. Yes. You know, but I, I don't know whether there is a coastal road from, from the south oh. up to the north. That's a very good question. There must be a coastal road, I suppose, an old coastal road where you can literally drive, you know, along East Anglia, Anglia through through Lincolnshire up to the uh, Yorkshire and to the north. Uh, there must be a way to, to do that. Because we have That's got some stunning scenery. Oh, you have. There's no doubt about it. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I, I, in fact, I've been trying to twist her indoors uh, to go up to the Scottish Isles, to the islands up there, uh, the Orkneys, and... Uh, She's not overly impressed with the idea. No. But but I showed her the pictures and the travel 
bureau sent some some holiday brochures, and, and actually she she seems she we're in agreement that it's very beautiful and it's very isolated. You can it's hire a cottage. It's not wild on going. Well, just think I did. At the moment, we've settled for Finland, by the way, <laughs> just for a change. Oh, again. <laughs> and, uh, but this it's time, nice, Finland but... with a twist. Yeah. I've told her because she, look, she, she's 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 ideal for this conversation. She doesn't know her country very well. No. And I said, have you been up to Lapland? Have you been to the north? And have you been to all these different places? So I said, well, we're going to get a car, and we're going to drive from Helsinki, and we're going to do the whole country. Yes, you must do Kittler. Kittler. And Luwasta. In the north. Yes, yes. right inside That's a bit the of a drive. circle. It is a bit of a drive, but it's well worth it. I think in landmass or space, and I know lots of Finns listen to you, I think Finland is five times bigger than the United Kingdom. Really? I think so. So it might be quite a drive. I mean, considering I drive in a Cyprus and get bored. Yes. Um, yes well, it's like <laughs> easily done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how long this this excite. <laughs> it's great planning a holiday and getting all excited about it. Yeah. But when you actually get there, you think. Uh, uh, but we don't know uh, anything, do we, about that, the countries where we live? Is anyone I was younger that we had a caravan and we mm-hmm. toured about, we did Wales and Cornwall and yeah. I don't think we ever did Scotland. So I look at the pictures of Scotland and I think, my God, it's lovely. I've been, to, I've been to Edinburgh and I've been to Glasgow, but I want to go yeah. out into the Highlands and meet real people. Oh, Scotland, you know, I'm, I'm guilty as well, never done it. But uh, recently I bought a lot of them. Um, do you remember, and I don't know if I was talking with you about this, in the 60s and the 50s and 60s, they, they, the train, British railways used to make films which used to promote Britain, they oh, played yes. them before the main feature. Oh, yes. You know, Britain by train. Yes. And I bought a load of these that have been released by BFI, the British Film Institute. And it shows the, the best of Britain in the 50s and the 60s. And I'm not joking, you watch one of these DVDs, for example, a trip to Scotland or uh, East Anglia or something like that, you would want to go to Britain on holiday every year. It looks absolutely beautiful. Well, I just bought, strangely enough, uh, a DVD. It's arrived today. It's a four-DVD set, a journey through the history of some of Britain's finest and most unusual disused and abandoned railways, their origin, their use, and Uh And it's got the Great Central Railway, the Necropolis Line, which was the funeral line, uh, Bisley Camp Branch, Filey Holiday Camp Branch, and the Cranley Line. The Filey Holiday Camp? Yeah. Well, wasn't that Billy Butlin's first holiday camp, know. or was it Skegness? Filey or Skegness? Skeggy. I can't remember. It's one of the two, wasn't it? it, it I think Billy Butlin lived in Filey. I'm not mm. sure. But uh, you know when they rip down these holiday camps, there's mm. nothing left of them in places like Skegness. I think Skegness has still got the bit of Butlin's left, or a skeleton of it. Yeah. But you would have thought there would have been something there to remember these camps, I never but they went. literally ripped them up. I never went. I remember seeing uh, uh, there was a, a book somebody sent me. It's all pictures of old holiday camps, because that's what yeah. Britain did. Mainly because companies, everybody in the company went on holiday at the same time. They closed the company down, so if it had been global... Uh, yeah. then everybody would have gone on holiday, and because everybody was earning roughly the same, you all went to the same place, and you went to the holiday camp. Yeah, And, yeah. You, and you booked into the chalet, and it was, it was Heidi High. That's what it was. Yeah. What great fun, huh? What great fun. And, and you know, of course, the reason was, I, I was listening the other day to, to a 1960 edition of Life with the Lions. Oh, You're too Lord. young. B.B. Daniels, yes. B.B. Daniels, that's right. Yeah. And they were planning their holiday, and it was quite amusing to listen to this edition, because uh, they, they wanted to go to, to the Canary Islands, and um, Ben Lyons was, was talking with a travel agent and said, well, look, uh, Mr. Lyons, it will take uh, one week to nine days to get to the Canary <laughs> Islands. <laughs> this is 1960. 50, and, of course, the holiday started then, so you needed a whole month 
oh, to go on holiday. Yes, to have a week and a half holiday. <laughs> well, one of the what was it the um, the trip for the Carry On team to Els Bells. <laughs> well, they, well, they had them all there working in the kitchen and they're all going, oh, it's not even finished. Because that, that, that was the standard joke at the time, that if you went to Spain, the chances are your hotel wasn't even built. Of course, of course. And they hit on something which was, which was real, which was happening. Mm, all these absolutely. people who were on, it wasn't Freddie Laker, there were companies before that, I think. Yes. What were they called? Continental. Go Continental. Continental. <laughs> <laughs> and you could do exactly the same, except you were in foreign places. That's right. It was... I forgot what Pontinental... It was Pontins at a hotel somewhere on the yes. Costa del Sol. Yes. And it was 40 quid, I think, was the down payment. Yeah. And you would get everything you would in Cleethorpes or Skegness or Filey. <laughs> in the, except you're right, and lots of these resorts weren't built, were they? And of course, you know? bearing in mind, it was, I mean, the very first time that I, I went abroad, I went, uh, well, I'd been with my parents, and then I went with my friend Terry, and we uh, went to, where did we go to? Somewhere in Spain, because that was a cheap, £17 for a weekend. <laughs> that was including your flights, three nights yeah. in the hotel and back again. Yeah. I yeah. mean, how cheap was that? Because we seem to exist on air. I don't remember sitting down and having meals. So we obviously didn't <laughs> eat much when we were younger. We change a little bit as we get a bit older. Well, that's a yes. Well, yeah, 17 quid, because Billy Butlin, Butlin's holidays was a week's pay yes. for a week's holiday, wasn't yes. it? That was his, uh, that was yeah. his mission statement. And they, and they were putting up chalets left, right and centre. I've got pictures of them uh, erecting all these sort of wooden chalets, painting them, putting curtains inside there. And then everybody came in, and it would just be row upon row upon <laughs> row upon row. <laughs> Oh, Mr. Chas wants to make an appearance this morning. <laughs> I've got to say, it's a little bit unusual. <laughs> yeah, well, he's with me today because his mum's in the mountains, uh, right. and he's being very clingy, and now he's uh, being a defensive dog. Oh, right. But, uh, uh, but you, you're dog. right about Billy Butlin. Yeah. The, 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 the thing is, nobody seems to remember what the food tasted like. Well, I don't think anybody can remember. I'm, I mean, I'm sure it was just, it was canteen food. Yeah, I, I, I've heard it was a bit regiment. <laughs> regiment. Yes, um, I should and, imagine so. Uh, I can imagine being in a swimming pool with 500 other people and all eating in the same place. It doesn't sound like, like a holiday camp to me. It sounds like was a forced torture. But, 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 well, I mean, for us, yes. But I suppose for people who, who didn't know any other sort of holidays, because hardly anybody had cars, you went on the train. So you went yeah, to Blackpool, you went to Brighton, you went to Southend, you went to all mm. these different places. And, you, and I mean, I, I've seen people being interviewed on the telly and they've been back to the same bed and breakfast house every day for like 30 years every year they've been. There was a couple in the newspaper here, and I kid you not, from the United Kingdom. They were in the paper yesterday. They are on their 51st trip, their 51st oh. holiday to Ayanapa. Oh. And they're, um, a, well, I'd, I'd say probably they're elderly. I think they're in their early 60s now. And oh, they got an award from the mayor for dedication and loyalty to the resort. No. They don't even look like clubbers. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps they see the other side of Ayanapa. Well, where's that? Well, well, the other side that doesn't have sort of clubbers and everything else. <laughs> I I mean, I'm, going I'm going to look. Yes, go go and look for it. I will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, after I've booked my Butlins holiday, I'm, I'm going to look up Pontinental on the internet. Yes, I, I think the slogan was Go Pontinental. It was Go Pontinental, and they had a big holiday camp in Wales. Yes. Where, of course, you'll remember, because you're a fan, they filmed on the buses, holiday on the buses. Oh, that one. Yes, I've got that film on the buses. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. 
And I suppose and the, the other thing is that they, they, they did a thing about a few years ago, I remember, and they went through the holiday brochures and discovered the same people in all the different <laughs> holiday brochures. It was the same woman and man who popped up beside every swimming pool. They obviously yeah. whizzed them around, or it was standard, bog-standard photos that they just used from the library. They went, here she is again. <laughs> well, that happened here. Do you know what? There is a holiday brochure here from 1972 for the resort of Famagusta. Yeah. Which, uh, which of course is now uh, a sealed off city part after the invasion. Um, and guess who's on the beach? All four of them, just as a nor- two normal couples, ABBA. Mm. ABBA are on the front of the Swedish travel brochure, and they weren't even famous at the time. Good it's lord. Apparently, it's something of a collector's item. Oh, apparently. I bet. Oh, that'd be <laughs> one for all the ABBA. F- oh, I love that idea. It's great. Sadly, I don't feature on any. Of those holiday brochures. No, 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 I don't, sadly. Um, I, I'm not the kind of thing you'd see in a travel agent shop window and appeal you to come over to Cyprus. Yes. You know, well, actually, I think Peter Andre and Kate, Katie did. Yes. But, uh, they'd <laughs> been listening to this slot for many years. They said, this chav sounds like one of us. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm just looking at a gig review of Peter Andre from last year, and yeah. uh, they actually say here, it starts with saying... Uh, Antipodean hunk Peter Andre has made his 15 minutes of fame last 15 years. The trouble yeah. is, with his tiny little voice and general paucity of actual talent, he seems rather like a passenger on his own ego trip. Oh, bless him. Oh, it's not nice, bless is him. it? But, but so accurate. Is he, is, he, is he still doing music and things? He's, well, he's or still is... struggling with sort of a few songs, naff otherwise, and the rest. I don't well, think you know, everybody in, Britain, everybody in Britain is a celebrity, but they'll yes. be a celebrity for doing anything nowadays, are they? I don't know what they do. Well, at least he has actually got up on stage, so for that we should be grateful. He just, just he can wish sing, he wouldn't. He can sing songs, yeah. Well, he, he, yeah, he can yeah. sing, but of a fashion. That man, by the way, who was on TV, I know the looking at the clock, he uh, impersonated Arnold Schwarzenegger on that Britain's Got Talent. Oh, someone right. some years. He was very good. Oh, what was his name? The Terminator, term, impersonator Terminator. Did you see that? No, I didn't. No, Somebody I was... sent me a YouTube link. I thought he was very good. Mm. Surprisingly enough, he didn't win. There you go. But... Listen, <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. See you then. Take care. Bye. Nathan Morley, our man in Cyprus with a very noisy dog this morning. 14 to 6. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 6 is uh, the time. Let's face it, we did see it coming, says Paul in Manchester. I was yelling at the screen when the boy band were put through. I was only sorry the other night the magic couple didn't get anywhere. However, the biggest insult was yet again the rule change when they brought back the witless Britney Spears impersonator because they made a mistake. By that token, should we have the BMX guy back who was far better? It was so funny to see the panel frantically trying to explain why they backpedalled. Even Simon was not best pleased. And finally, much as I do love Amanda, the excerpt from Shrek, not mind-blowing, but proving the point, you never bite the hand that feeds you. She is benefiting from the free publicity. Oh, is she ever. That's part of the deal, though, I think, on the programme. If you're on it, you can plug your things, because we had Project Danny, Project D, for her clothes and Cheryl's little singing career. I think that's probably gone by the wayside. And uh, it says here, next week, by the way, does see the climax of the Emmerdale story. We'll watch if I can stick the new titles and music. Hate the new uh, music. Hate the new music. Absolutely dreadful. Why change something that doesn't need changing? There's no point. Just leave it there. Just to let you know, says Sarah, that uh, Gibril Sissi, I think that's how you pronounce it, Sissé, is it Sissé? Oh, right. He's a French international footballer born in uh, Arles in France who plays for Pathikonikos. Panathakonikos. It's one of those. Well, anyway, you know which one it is. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. She says, big word for this time of the morning. Gorgeous weather today. I know, I'm hibernating. I've got to do, I'm getting home. I'm going to do the VAT. I'm going to do that quickly. 
as quickly as I can, because I'm, I'm a day late now, and I'm going to get into so much trouble with the uh, Department of Customs and Excise. And then we're going to fit a pump, Lynn and I. Well, we're going to attempt to fit the pump, and then I've got to do an invoice. Oh, it's just so much trauma, it really is. You think your day's going to go long. Steve, I dreamt of your weather. The last couple of days, says Karen, have topped 50. Yes, 50 degrees. So hot that a friend of mine's CD melted in their car. It's now 7.30. How can it melt a CD? I mean, a record. I mean, CDs are metal. Where are you? Are you where are you living, dear? Where is she? Poor soul, I don't know. Probably living just down the road from here. You know what? Some people like to get different, different weather. And, uh, Steve, the Filey camp, for Nathan's benefit, has long since gone... I believe something is now afoot to redevelop as a leisure site. Skeggy, still very much with us, though. It was the first of the group that is actually situated in Ingold Mills. Pochwelly. Pochwelly was the, <laughs> the Pontins camp where Holiday on the Buses was filmed. And it's still there, says Paul. Thank you very much indeed. I knew you'd all know. I knew you'd all know. Karen says the greatest family holiday... Uh, camp was Beeson's in Torquay, run by a family. It was the best holiday ever. Sadly closed down now and taken over by Pontins. Any other listeners go there? Any of you listening go to holiday camps? Do let me know if you went to a holiday camp. We, we never went to one. My parents thought it was common. So, so we, we never went to one. We watched other people going. You know, where are you going? Holiday camp, lovely. As we dragged our caravan out of the drive. So funny. We had little, everybody had caravans then because it was the cheap holiday. Because you could put all, all your cutlery in there. And we used to have plastic plates and everything. And tins of We lived on tins of soup. I grew up on, t- on Heinz tomato soup because that was the only one that we had in there. And you could have a nice cup of tea. And I can remember you'd wake up in the morning and you could reach out of bed and turn the gas on and put the kettle on the top of it to make a cup of tea. How cool was that? And four of us in a caravan half the size of this studio. Half the size of this studio. I mean, really tiny. And there was a toilet in there as well. But there wasn't a, a shower for something. Why did we have a toilet? We never, didn't have a shower. We just washed in the sink, I think. But in every caravan site you went to, there would be the, the toilet block. As it was, it were. Happy days. I don't know why. You know, the funny thing is, it, we were much happier when we were youngsters, weren't we? We were much happier with doing all the things like going to holiday camps. Parents, of course, had all the worry about, you know, how much money is it costing. But we, we never thought about that. Never once did I think, how much does this holiday cost? How much, how much does petrol cost? Now, I spend most of my life worrying about how much petrol costs. I look in a garage, oh my god, how much I just put in? 80, 80, good lord, I've got to work so many hours for that, it's ridiculous. Uh, please can you announce it's Billy Roper's birthday today, she's 80. This actually came into Christo, but he had to pass it on to me. And uh, she's, uh, she's a past princess of the Lady Rattlings, and they're going to have a, a big party on Sunday. So many happy returns from Chunky and Rex, her husband and all the family, friends, and all the uh, Lady Rattlings and Water Rats. So there you go, Billy Roper. Have a very, very, very happy birthday to you. I'm sure you will have, actually. It's gonna, actually, you've got glorious weather for a birthday, haven't you? I mean, absolutely glorious. It doesn't, doesn't get any better than this. Reading this, uh, this gig review for Peter Andre, they said here, um, a glorified PA would probably have elicited the same ear-piercing, shrieking responses from the predominantly female audience. But in fairness, he has attempted to craft a proper, proper pop production, and, and he does do a a Michael Jackson tribute in his show. And um, and they say here, yuckily, Ernest Ballard, unconditional, presented an enviable opportunity to underscore Andre's role as Britain's bestest dad with footage of the kids beamed onto the screen. I mean, it's a bit tacky, isn't it, really? It's not what you expect to see at a pop concert, but there you go. Uh, Noreen says, we got back with just a few hiccups. <laughs> Most of your holidays hiccups, isn't it? <laughs> it's unbelievable. Poor old Noreen, she goes on holiday. I mean, it, it all happens to her. 
like the Almighty sitting up there going, oh, Noreen's arrived. Right, what should we give her first of all? What, what, what disaster shall befall the family? So, love to Bridget. And she's going out tonight. And I won't say where she's going. Oh, God, she's not again, is she? <laughs> Hopefully the heat wave will reach Hertfordshire today. Well, you don't really want the heat wave. You can have my bit of the heat wave. You can have my bit. I really don't want the heat wave today. I'm just, I'm, I'm just not looking forward to it. I might have to sort of stay in. I'm going to have to go out a little bit, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not wild about doing it. Nick Ferrari this morning at seven. Very interesting. As a militant Muslim puts up anti-gay posters in East London, he gets just a £100 fine. Nick will be discussing why homophobic crime isn't dealt with more harshly. And uh, so they will be talking about that because this militant Muslim has branded East London a gay-free zone. What about all the gay Muslims? How do they feel about this? There's loads. You go onto the internet, gay Muslim groups, there are hundreds, hundreds of them. So I don't see why some sad little homophobe putting up a few posters only gets a £100 fine. He's probably hiding his own homophobe. Generally, those who complain about it have got something to hide. But uh, how naive to assume that there wouldn't be gay Muslims. Of course there would be. Uh, Looking at the papers today, Katie Nicholl, diary editor of The Mail on Sunday and author of William and Harry. Uh, Plus, they're looking at the Southern Cross care homes. This was a dreadful story, absolutely dreadful. And London's illiteracy problem, which we talked about yesterday. Uh, on how so many adults cannot read or write. And having seen some of the low life that turns up on television programmes, I'm not at all surprised. Uh, dreadful story of the paper today, which you probably heard about yesterday. This uh, boy who died after plummeting 90 feet for, from a block of flats. He squeezed through one of these windows, and, uh, and in front of his horrified sister, he, uh, he fell to his death. Absolutely dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. And Frankie de Tor- Does anybody know if Frankie de Tori's restaurants have closed? I only ask, because there used to be one in Chiswick, and it was called, I think coincidentally, Frankie's. And, and it seems to have changed name. Now, I don't know if they've branded it differently now, or if his restaurants have closed. Because I remember looking, thinking, I'll pass it, you know, if I'm coming back that way, up to the Hogarth Roundabout, or going to see my accountant. And, uh, and I remember thinking, that used to say Frankie's on there. Why doesn't it now? Whole page on Danielle Lloyd ugh, and, uh, and Gary Lineker ugh, ugh, uh, in the paper. Why a picture of them on the beach would make a whole... They must be really short stories, I suppose, in the mirror today. They have to put that on there. And uh, tell us the name of Shred's lover. This is the woman who had an affair with banker Sir Fred Goodwin. Faced a new battle to keep her name secret. I know who she is. I know who she is. I've seen a picture of her. Because we have a mutual friend, so I know exactly who it is. But my lips are sealed. Unless you give me £100,000. Give me £100,000, I'll tell you who it is. OK? No, I wouldn't. Funny that, isn't it? That you know things and you think, you know, I can't imagine why you'd ever want to tell anybody. It's like, you know, have I ever slept with a footballer? No. And if I did, why would I want to tell people? Uh, answer, because some people do it for money. And that's why it's terribly, terribly sad. Here's a picture of uh, Kerry Katona, still on holiday, still no work in the diary. So when she comes back, it'll be another photo shoot, I should imagine. And they'll have to make something up about, you know, the holiday and everything else. Uh, apparently, um, Alex Reed uh, now is going out with Chantelle Houghton. Two empty-headed vessels together, ladies and gentlemen. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? Poor old Alex. Come in, Alex. Your five seconds of fame is finished. Chantelle, yours finished a long time ago, OK, love? So uh, do do give up now. It's a lot easier. I know you're both desperately trying to make something of yourselves, but it's not going to happen, I'm afraid. Not going to happen. Uh, Bill says, the chat with your friend in Cyprus, Nathan Morley, reminded me of our first trip to Spain in 69. One week, full board, in hotel, full entertainment, including flights... £26.50. Second week free. 
He said those were the days when you could only take a maximum of 50 quid a person. I know. I ha- I've got an old passport at home. And in the back of it, you had to write... When you went to the bank, you got your, your money changed up. And they wrote £50. And I had 50, 50... But £50 was a fortune. You could do, like, loads with... And we used to go, look, we've got foreign money. And you'd sit there comparing, because you, you never saw it. Now it's Euros, and it's dreadfully dull and boring. So £26.50 for a week, and flights, and full food. Now that's what I call, Bill, a top-notch bargain. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Coming up to eight minutes past six. Thursday morning, short uh, short week for you in uh, in work, but it's going to be a hottie today, so just remember, don't take an overcoat, OK? Don't take an umbrella, you're not going to need that, and, uh, and wear something light, and brace yourself for the fact you'll be standing next to somebody on the tube who hasn't put the deodorant on. There's always somebody, always somebody. And uh, I love it on the tube, because every time I get on, I'm one of these people... Are you one of these people who looks at the floor? You get on the tube, you look at the floor. I stare at everybody. I stare at... I try and stare people out. I just sort of... I just sort of stand there staring at them because I think they might want to do it to me. I'm not happy about that idea. We're also asking you this morning, if you went to a holiday camp... Uh, I don't know how we got into the holiday camp situation. I can't remember. What was the reason we started talking about holiday? Oh, that's right. Nathan Morley was talking about holiday camps. And uh, Filey is gone, but Skeggy's still there and all the other places. Did you go... Or were you one of these people who either did caravanning holidays because it was cheaper, or did you go to uh, to Spain and how much did you pay? But if you went to a holiday camp, which one did you go to? What was the food like? Because we can't find anybody who's willing to commit about the food and go, oh, yes, it was this. I'm led to believe that they had a budget for the week. I remember I've got this book at home on holiday camps. I'm blown if I remember what I've done with it. And and I was reading it and they were talking about how they were catering. Because what would happen is all the people would, would come in for your week's holiday. And most people did a week in those days when holiday camps were at their uh, their peak. And you did the week, and then on the whenever it was, I suppose it was the Friday night. You all finished because on Saturday morning you left. Saturday afternoon, the next load of people arrived, and they had a week, and so it went on. So it was it was ongoing. It really was just like Heidi High. And if you went to a camp like that, how much did you pay? I can't remember what because I've never managed to find out. Uh, you know whether or not. People spent a lot of money at holiday camps, or whether it was the all-inclusive, and I suspect it is. The best camp in uh, Manchester, says Paul, was Golden Sands at Rill. So like Heidi High, we had Billy and Nancy, the camp hosts. He was a miserable so-and-so, much like Mr Partridge. He was the Punch and Judy man, Mr Partridge. He hated kids. There was a pavilion with free entertainment, films twice a week. Fil- you see, films, you see, that was a bit of a novelty, wasn't it, in those days? Films were going to the flicks. And uh, the return of the Corsican brothers, shown with monotonous regularity every year. Singing competitions, one side, the audience singing, coming round the mountains, and the other, the hokey-cokey. No booze ever sold there until the late 80s, yet nobody missed it. Happy days, but no kids will want to know these days. you imagine a whole camp without booze nowadays? There'd be a riot. There would be an absolute riot. What, what do you mean there's no booze? Where's the booze? Uh, we're, we're actually, we don't have any alcohol. What? No alcohol. you imagine no alcohol at a holiday camp? No, you can't, can you? can't imagine it. He, he wouldn't go anywhere without hip flask, like that, you know. <laughs> but uh, so if you went there, and yet nobody thought it was, you know, nobody was bothered. You might have had a drink late night for something, or you smuggled a bit in. But people coped very, very well. Uh, we used to go to Warner's in Seaton in Devon. Brilliant, says Terry. Uh, used to make some, uh, some very good news friends. I used to go on to Rambles to Coylton. I never stopped remembering it. You see, you did do that, didn't you? Because people talked to each other. 
Nobody talks to each other now. You go on holiday, you're hard pushed to find something, because people think, oh, God, if I start talking to them, I'm going to be stuck with them for the rest of the holiday. But everybody spoke to each other, except we, we didn't one time. The only time I ever knew my parents to fall out with anybody. And we went on, we, we went to a, I can't remember, it was a caravan site somewhere, it could have been anywhere. And uh, the couple next door, he worked for um, one of the major cosmetic companies. And she worked, I don't know, perhaps she didn't work. They had a slightly bigger caravan than us. But all I remember was, halfway through the holiday, we stopped talking to them. And the curtains in our caravan were closed on their side. It was that, because you can't exactly just pack the caravan up and move around the corner. And we didn't talk to them. It was terribly strange. Uh, Lynn says, as kids we love pontins, very hidey high. Though one morning we had to all wear fancy dress at breakfast, with dads having to wear their nighties. Our dad's face, a picture. Uh, Peter and Daisy, Mum Joni in Potter's Bar, very happy 61st birthday. It's everybody's birthday today. 61st for Joni, she doesn't look a day over 40. They tell fibs, of course, Joni, as you know. And, uh, but they, I didn't want to tell you that bit. <laughs> so, happy birthday to you for today. Everybody celebrating. Um, Steve, you have seven days extra to submit and pay your VAT if you do it online. It's supposed to be submitted by the end of the month. I know that much. And then you pay on the 10th. The money comes out on the 10th. Actually, not for um, for poor Timothy Eastgate. Timothy Eastgate is a Ferrari driver. Well, he was. He was. He's currently residing at Her Majesty's Pleasure because he's a, he's a, a, a drug boss. He used to have a, a boat uh, called Shaken Not Stirred. And he wore a James Bond bike helmet. But his uh, empire, built selling drugs into Devon from Essex, crumbled after a courier was stopped in an uninsured car. Then they found a gun and a silencer, and uh, poor little numpty boy, little Timothy Eastgate, is spending the next 23 years in prison. Way fantastic. They get there eventually, they get there eventually, but it's always somebody who... um who sort of brings the uh, the company down. So, uh, 23 years, so he'll be waking up in a different uh, different view today. A sort of a room with a view, as it were. And Nicky Campbell was out the other. He was jogging. Now, we've had a couple of things with Nicky Campbell recently. Firstly, uh, he confronted a burglar. Nicky was stark naked. He came downstairs and chased the burglar into... It must have been frightening, sight like that. Chased the burglar in, into the garden. And then the other day, he was out jogging, because I'm constantly jogging, and he, he confronted... Uh, a gang of little outs. He spotted the teenagers opening a bin bag and kicking the contents about as he jogged near his home on Tuesday. He's a long-time anti-litter campaigner. I didn't know that. Anyway, he actually challenged them, and they spat at him. They spat at him. So he had to go home, quite clearly. I mean, you know, you sometimes think, don't you, why haven't they invented a zapper gun? You know, like, like something you've got on the television where you just go, and they vanish before your eyes. You know, you could send them up to another place. Because that's what you do to these kids. You're the biggest. Come here. You're gone. Oh, what a shame. OK, the next one. Where do you go to? Who cares? Gone. I tell you, we'd have a pretty empty world quite quickly with some of these toe rags out there. It's dreadful, isn't it? Absolutely dreadful. Amy Winehouse's ex-husband faces a serious custodial sentence after admitting burglary. This is Blake Fielder Civil. You know, honestly, I've, I've given up with this world. So first of all, you've, all these people who sort of one minute are, are there... And you think, oh, right, you're a celebrity. In the next minute, they're, uh, they're being jailed. Like, like this boss here. This is, um, this is a man called Harris Mukhtar. And he's been sent to prison. He's a bent crook. He features in the Mirror today. Penman and Summerlad have investigated. Uh, what he used to do was uh, he used to siphon off his, uh, his uh, employees' pay into his own account, and he was fiddling the VAT and all the rest of it. Comes from Ilford and Essex. He's now been jailed for six years because um, he's been going like this for ages. He used a multitude of companies and no fewer than 21 aliases. So uh, 
poor little um, Adam Mukhtar is uh, here. His younger brother was given a 12-month suspended sentence for attempting but failing to fraudulently claim £27. Oh, you little benty, aren't you, Adam? You really are. But uh, I love them when they're named and shamed. I do like the naming and shaming. I love... Oh, here she is again. Sarah Ferguson. Or as we call her, do you have a job? Here she is clutching her four phones again. What is it with her and four... I mean, how many phones do you need? I mean, small wonder you've got no money, Popsy. need to take my advice. One phone. OK? One phone. Ridiculous. And I love... We mentioned yesterday campanology, because there's some bell ringers on Britain's Got Talent, and I quite like them. I think they could be a bit more funky. You know, they're a little bit old, but if, if they're a bit funkier, that would be OK. But there's a... Some bell ringers who feature in the paper today. Oh my god. It's a dreadful to do, it really is. Details in a second. Morning, every 19 minutes past six, and uh, still to come, the story of the opera singer and the little children next door, and the bell ringers who are having a bit of a Mary. Details in a second. First of all, off to the theatre we go in the company of our very own Roger Foss. And uh, he was off outside Wyndham's Theatre. So every morning when I used to have my breakfast, I could look at Wyndham's Theatre and I could wonder what all those people were queuing outside for tickets. And they were queuing for Catherine Tate and David Tennant in Much Ado About Nothing. So that's where he went. Took him long enough to get into the theatre, even longer to get out. But the middle bit, what was that like? Morning, Roger. Good morning, Steve. Yes, you're right about the queues. Ooh. Absolutely. This they is, love it. This is, this is event theatre, isn't it? Yes. It's event theatre. It's, uh, it's uh, what the West End really is all about, I think. It's, uh, it's stars, it's people that uh, everybody wants to go and see. And, um, and yeah, I couldn't... I actually, I, 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 it's usually a crowd outside on a, on, a, on a big press night, isn't there? But mm. uh, this one was absolutely massive. And... Um, and, and even trying to get out of the theatre, it was almost impossible with uh, fans all over the place. And I noticed, you know, that backstage area where you go down the alleyway uh, to the stage door of Wyndham's? Well, of course, that was mobbed after the show <laughs> last night. And I guess this is happening every night. It's, um, I mean, talk about much ado about nothing. It's, it's really much ado at the box office, really. Yes. Whenever David Tennant is in the West End, his... Hamlet with Patrick Stewart, of course, uh, a couple of years back, was um, was just a, a, another big box office smash hit. It was like, you know, the Doctor Who fans and the Star Trek fans, wasn't it? The, yes, the, yes. The, the Trekkies and the, and the Hoovers <laughs> all turning up. It's amazing. I mean, and, I, I love to see it. I remember when, in fact, the same, they've obviously got a trick at Wyndham's because they had um, another actor there who people were queuing for uh, first thing in the morning. Um... Well, I know round. Well, of course, the, you know the other the other big one I remember was when Madonna was down at the Garrick. I mean, that oh, that was the the uh, the other kind of um, assault on the theatre almost by fans. And the thing about uh, much ado about nothing at Wyndham's though is that uh, it's more or less sold out. So the only way really I think you can get tickets is to go in the mornings. They're doing a lottery, so the twenty best seats uh, are going to be released on the day of each performance from the box office, but they're doing it through a lottery. Wow. Uh, and you have to go there at 10 o'clock, and the lottery's drawn at 10.30. And if you don't get anywhere in the lottery, you still get the opportunity to get standing tickets. Right. 16 quid. So, but amazing. last night, I thought, it's amazing. And I thought last night, the ovation at the end was um, incredible, because um, there they are, Catherine Tate and David Tennant on stage, 
I mean, fantastic chemistry between them. And, uh, and people were literally falling out almost. I thought they were going to fall out of the boxes going up the side of the stage. You know, yeah. those little boxes that people fit in. Yeah. I thought they were going to fall out any minute. But um, anyway, this is a great success. I think it's not really just celebrities and TV names. It's, uh, yes, it's the Tennant and Tate show. Uh, but, um, and, and, you know, they play reluctant Shakespearean lovers. So it's Beatrice and Benedict. They're a sparring couple. And it's a, it's a, it's a war of words between them. But, but, you know, they're really very good. Mm. <laughs> I mean, that's the point, that they're actually fantastic. There's a great chemistry between them on stage, which I guess they have between them off stage. So they're like one of these kind of great theatrical couples now. I think... You know, all we can hope is that they come back and do something else in the West End together. Great. Um, but David Tennant, of course, is no stranger to Shakespeare. He, he's worked for the Royal Shakespeare Company. This is Catherine Tate's last, uh, well, I mean, her first uh, Shakespeare uh, we saw at the National recently. So she's no stranger to the stage. But is she bothered by the bard? Not one bit. I mean, mm. between them, they turn what is really, uh, I suppose... 16th century comedy, isn't it, really? Yes. Shakespeare, it's Battle of the Sexes. It seems as fresh and up-to-date as if it was written yesterday. They, they, the production's set in the mid-1980s, so, and it's in a naval base somewhere that's supposed to be Gibraltar, but I thought, oh, it looks a bit more like Ibiza. <laughs> oh, <laughs> there, there's then, a bit of a difference. <laughs> yeah, I, I was listening to Nathan earlier, I thought, oh, actually, it's a bit more like Cyprus. It's all sun, sea and sex and disco music and 80s dresses and Lady Di and, and, um, and the blokes in naval uniforms with big kind of aviator sunglasses. And, mm. and David Tennant arrives on stage. I mean, remember, this is a kind of screwball comedy. He, he arrives on stage. I suppose all the, all the fans think he's going to turn up in a TARDIS, but he, he drives on stage in a golf buggy. <laughs> what is this? Um, and, and someone said apparently on one of the previews he, he almost drove straight off the stage. But um, there's a lot of, uh, surprisingly, a lot of slapstick in this production, a bit like that James Corden play at the National that we were talking about last week. I mean, David Tennant gets covered in white paint at one point and he turns up at, at, at a masked ball wearing a denim miniskirt, black tights and a blonde wig looking like Kenny Everett. <laughs> what is this? Catherine Tate. Um <laughs> Very good. Very kind of um, very modern looking in a way. I mean, she's in a boiler suit. She, at one point, she's she's fiddling with her knicker elastic, and then 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 she's flying through the air like Mary Poppins. And I, I thought, what? Is she? At one point, she does a, a Frankie Howard impression. So, uh, if you, if you're expecting her to come out with a, a bothered line, well, she doesn't quite do that. But she does at one point give us a bit of a, a fruity laugh, a bit like the old Nan that she does. You know, so. <laughs> It's great to have all that laughter in the audience and, uh, and a modern, predominantly young audience, totally hooked on Shakespeare. So, you know, this, this shows that not only a Tennant and Tate or Tate and Tennant box office, but Shakespeare is too. Fantastic. Because there's another Much Ado About Nothing production at uh, Shakespeare's Globe at the moment with uh, Eve Best and mm. Charles, Edward play, Charles Edwards playing the same roles. And, of course... Later in the, in, the, in the year, we've got Kevin Spacey at the Old Vic in Richard III, which will be another big box office sellout. So, great stuff at Wyndham's. And, as long um, as it gets bums I, on seats, does it? I mean, I, I don't think it matters at all. I think, I think it's phenomenal that you can actually get, and I love seeing it, people queuing, and I bet they're already queuing outside the theatre already at Wyndham's. 
Well, they will be. They'll have to be, won't they? Because yeah. there's only 20 seats to get. Yes. Um, for this uh, lottery. So you've got to get there early. now. I, I bet there'll be, there'll be at least half a dozen people waiting there. Oh, I think so. And you know what? I think it's worth it. Yes, I do too. <laughs> I think, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind doing that myself, actually, to go back. Cause <laughs> Not I at your age, Roger. One... Not at your age. Well, yes, I know. I know. Book I into know, a hotel, so pay somebody else to go and sit there for you. Yes. <laughs> so much easier. <laughs> I, I, I might try that. But, um, <laughs> or do that. Yeah, no, so I... Get big I, thumbs I, up. Yeah, thumbs up. It's great to see this. And, um, and it's, uh, as I say... The Tate and Tennant show, but um, it's really uh, Shakespeare uh, re- rewritten, reinvented for the modern age, and um, and good luck to them. Excellent. Thank you very much indeed. What, what are you off to see next week? Well, I'm off to the Orange Tree at Richmond, actually. Oh, nice. They're doing uh, very interesting. They're, they're reviving, it's all about comedy, three Victorian farces, which... I, I want to go and see. And, uh, and, of course, I did pop along as well to the upstairs at the Gatehouse this week, at Highgate, where they're doing play it again, Sam, the uh, Woody Allen play, which I have not seen for years, and very, very well done. I saw a young guy called Tim Frost in the uh, Woody Allen role mm. um, look like a dead ringer. Very nervy and very funny. So Excellent. It's, it's a great play, of course. Humphrey Bogart coming mm. back to advise this um, rather nervous film writer on, um, on, on his love life. And uh, So it's Good. been laughs all round this week. That's what we like to hear. Thank you very much indeed. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Steve. Bye. Take care. Roger Foss, our man in the stalls, clutching his bucket of popcorn, I should imagine. Um, So, that's uh, thumbs up for Much Ado About Nothing. Catherine Tate and David Tennant, if you can get a seat. If you can get a seat. Very difficult to get hold of. Coming up to the uh, news at half past six this morning, we're looking to uh, find out where you went for your holidays. Did you go to a holiday camp? Did you go abroad? And how much did it cost? I'm curious to know the cost and what the food was like. So do let me know, 84850, steve at uk. A lot of people having vivid memories, some of the good, some of the bad, of Camber Sands. LBC 97.3. Text 84850. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 7. I, I told you the other day that uh, Frank Sinatra's widow Barbara is bringing out a book all about him. And uh, as if proof were needed that you can't keep the good ones down, guess who's bringing out a new album, first studio album of new material in 17 years, none other than Doris Day. Doris Day is bringing out an album on the 5th of September. It's her first, it's got nine brand new recordings. She's 87, I think, or something like that. And so it's got everything on there. It's got You Are So Beautiful, Joe Cocker's song, The Loving Spoonful's Daydream, the one that goes, What a day for a daydream. What a day for a daydreamy boy. She's also got the Beach Boys, Disney Girls, and uh, it's got uh, Ohio, Hurry, It's Lovely Up Here, Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries, My One and Only Love. Uh, It's all sorts of good stuff on here. So here it is, Doris Day's new album, and that comes... It's called My Heart, and I think she put it together with her late uh, son, and she went back into the studio again. So that one we shall look out for a little bit later uh, in the year. 
Uh, Simon says, I love your naming and shaming. Keeps me on my toes because of the fear of you naming and shaming is far too great. And um, for my Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme, I did campanology. Still to come, that story about the, the poor old bell ringers not having a particularly good time. Uh, Dorothy went to Pontins in Southport in the 90s. The kids ran wild. The parents very rarely left the bar. Well, that's the tr- I think they were different, though. I think if, if, if you went to holiday camps in the 90s, people were badly behaved. If you went in the, in the 50s and the 60s, they weren't badly behaved. People just learnt to, to sort of behave differently, I think. And, and people didn't run riot. They really, well, they, they probably might have done when we had the mods and the rockers down at Brighton. But traditionally, it wasn't half as bad as it is today. It's ghastly. My parents, says Bryn, took me to Butlins at Filey when I was 12 in 1945. It cost about £12 each for the week. That was a lot of money in the 45s. Cabins were okay, entertainment superb, and all the food you can eat. When I was about 20, I and three mates went to Skegness and had a great time. There were competitions for everything, particularly cars and driving. And at Filey, my dad won a driving prize in his old Opal 10 and received a metal badge which he treasured. At Skegness, I too took my very big old Morris 28 into a competition, but it was too large and cumbersome to win anything. I then ran, as a Toastmaster, two round table conferences at Butlins, one at Bogner and the other at Porthwedi. <laughs> I love saying that. Somebody will write in a minute and say, your pronunciation is absolutely dreadful. But, uh, but that, that's what it was like back in, in, the, in the early days. Uh, the one at, uh, there were about 6,000 tablers and their wives at both, he says, massive success at Porthwedi and the other one at Bogner. And he says, still no booze except for the major banquets. Generally, the food was excellent and just right for family consumption. Nothing fancy, plenty of it, well prepared and served, all inclusive in the price. I nearly destroyed the car and starter bar below the huge ballroom by introducing the dance, the March of the Mods, which is a very strong four to the bar beat where everybody's jumping up and down. Dum, 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 dum. Always, I remember the March of the Mods very well. And uh, at at a later post-mortem, I was exonerated from blame as the sprung ballroom floor was built to take such pressure. At Pothwelli, the cabaret was a great Ted Ray, who before going on was terrified of the huge number. Took me about ten minutes to get all the round tablers quiet and then introduced him. He paralysed them and did over an hour. When he came off, he was crying with the massive ovation he'd received and asked my permission to go back and do more. Magical. He said, uh, I loved holiday camps, but that was the last time I went. Became very friendly indeed with Bobby Butlin, son of the great Billy, who I met a few times. Happy memories there for Bryn and lovely Annie as well. Hope you're well this morning. And uh, Steve, we used to go to Butlin's in 77. Great holidays. Food was great. Entertainment and cinema twice a week. Fancy dress, glamorous granny competition. Plenty of dance and exercise competitions, singing as well. Uh, Rita used to go to Beeson's in Torquay. Food was good. Entertainment fantastic. Please ask your entertainers if anyone remembers Skip the Entertainer. Okay. Uh, in 1964, strange enough, Nigel, in Keston, I went to this place as well. A place called Calelia in Spain. And this was where we went for our cheap weekend. It was with a company called Lions Tours. Cost 22 guineas for 10 nights. The flight was out from Heathrow to Perpignan in France. And then a six-hour coach to the resort. Two years later, I went to live and work there and stayed for 13 years. That's where we went, Calelia. I remember it vividly. Calelia, it's a ghastly hotel. It, it looked bigger in the brochure. It was there, in the early days, you know, you looked at a picture and went, oh, that looks nice. And then you see it and it's all pokey. There's a lovely picture of a house today in the paper that's for sale for £3.26 million, And it looks beautiful until you open up the picture and realise they've got a power station to one side of it and a huge stadium behind and, I mean, you wouldn't touch the house with a barge pole, but the um, estate agents are quite confident they're going to sell it. It's just it looks horrible. 
Somebody spent a lot of money on this site, and you've got everything around you. If I was spending that much money, I'd want a little bit of privacy, I'm afraid. Uh, Vanessa says, vivid memories of my first holiday, Camber Sands, which took Mum's portable radio and chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheap, was constantly played. What year would that have been? That would have been about 1971, the early part of 71. Middle of the road, Scottish group. And it was a hit for somebody else who wrote it, Lally somebody. And uh, they, didn't, they, they did all right with it. I think it was a minor hit in Italy and Australia or somewhere like that. But then when Middle of the Road took it, I think it was one of the first records to sell 10 million copies around the world. Rather foolishly, Will said to me, can you sing that one? Of course I can. I know it very well indeed. I remember uh, Popcorn by Hot Butter. And I used to love Tears of a Clown by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. All this stuff now. Anyway, here is this story about... Uh, it, it ties in quite nicely with, with music. Because Trish Simon was looking forward to a little peace and quiet in her retirement. So she moves in to the, uh, moves out of the London suburb of Surbiton to an idyllic village in the West Country. However, she's being driven out of distraction by the musical racket coming out of her local primary school every morning. Uh, Mrs Simon has complained to environmental health officers about the offensive music used for the pupils' five-minute wake-and-shake session. Because, you know, nowadays, the kid, they, they get out, uh, walk down to the car, get in the car, sleep, get out the other end, then they're expected to go to lessons. So this school has got the right idea. Get out there, and we all do the shake, and, you know, and we do a bit of dancing, and it gets you the blood circulating, and it's very good. She hates it. She says this is akin, listening to some of the music, to Japanese water torture. Parents uh, of children at Loder's Primary School near Bridgeport in Dorset have criticised the complaint as petty. Uh... Mrs Simon, who's performed with Luciana Pavarotti and Placido Domingo, moved to Loders a year ago. The school's headmistress, Shirley Gibbs, says the government back wake-and-shake exercise helps tackle obesity and stimulates children before classes. They've offered to turn the speakers in a different direction, but uh, Mrs Simon has insisted she wants the din stopped. Well, she's quite clearly a right royal pain, this one, isn't she? I'm terribly sorry, you've moved next door to a school. The children are very noisy today. It's a school... She says, we chose this village because I have a lot of stress-related illnesses. Well, go and live in the middle of the woods then, dear. Don't move next to a school. At quarter to nine of the morning, I was assaulted by the noise of something I can only assume was like Lady Gaga-type music blasting through the walls. I applaud anything that's for the benefit of the children, but I cannot see how annoying the neighbourhood is going to improve community. Well, it hasn't annoyed anybody else apart from you, dear. You're the only one who's been annoyed by it. It shatters the peace of the quiet village. It's a village! Get over yourself. Anyway, West Dorset Council sent an environmental health officer to the school. He tested the noise levels and concluded no action needs to be taken. So, in other words, shut up. Shut up. Why don't you just move? Stop being a troublemaker. Miss Gibbs says the complaint came as a complete surprise. She says it's part of our school routine, as it is with most schools across the country. Mother Lucy Chard, who lives next door to the school, said, I think it's delightful and I'd be really upset if my kids stopped doing it because of a complaint. Mrs Simon has previously worked for the Scottish Opera and spent 26 years with the Royal Opera House. You feel like saying when she was on stage, sorry, don't, don't applaud, she doesn't like the noise, she's got stress, so uh, they, don't, they don't do it. But uh, she later worked as a vocal coach and uh, she says, I used to be an opera singer and I'm a real music lover. So uh, a spokesman of the school said it introduced the Wake and Shake programme in March and that a new song and dance routine was introduced every three to four weeks. Do it outside Mrs Simon's house. She'll love it. OK, Mrs Simon, today it's your one. OK, clap, 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 clap. And the kids, you do that for half an hour, OK? Let's really wind her up. I mean, it's ridiculous. However, all is not well in the campanology department. Six bell ringers were stunned 
when an elderly man stormed into the church, gave them an ear-bashing, and then locked them inside. He ranted about the din before wedging the belfry door shut. The ringers, all aged between 45 and 65, were stuck for 30 minutes until their cries for help were heard. Sandra Price says, I heard banging and thought it was a peculiar way of bell ringing. Then I heard them shout, we're trapped! You know, which is kind of a good thing to shout. Rosemary Triffitt who invites campanologist to St John the Divine in Sharrow in North Yorkshire, says, I apologise. What do people living near a church expect? The local man, at least 70, was not identified. They'll find you. They'll find you, you wizened old man, going along and knocking the poor... locking them in. I mean, it's it's a church. It's got bells. Oh, dear, you do give up, don't you? You absolutely give up when there's people like that. We went on our first continental holiday. Uh says Ian, and uh, a week to Bruges cost £8 per person. Far too much for Bruges, isn't it? I mean, eight, I wouldn't give you eight pence for Bruges. Definitely not. He says, by the way, March of the Mods is in 2-4 time. The clue is, it's a march. I can't remember where we used to dance for that one. <laughs> Fred Pontin and Billy Butlin were rivals in the holiday camp world, but superficially were friends. They both became companion rats in the water rats. And I recall a, conver- a conversation with Bill Butlin discussing Fred Pontin. Fred had praised him and said, Billy Butlin taught me all I know. Thank you, Bryn. And uh, he's, he's pressed the wrong thing again. And uh, they were rivals in the holiday camp. And he said, Billy Butlin taught me. Yes, that's OK. There you go. That's fine. It all came through. And uh, it was good news. And Fred Pontin and Billy Butlin were rivals in the holiday camp world. And I recall... A conversation with Bill Butlin discussing Fred Pontin. Fred had praised him and said, Billy Butlin taught me on. I knew Billy Butlin said, yes, that's true. I did teach him all he knows, but I didn't teach him all I know. You see? That's how it works nowadays, which is good news, which is very good news. There's a woman here. Uh, she's the first ever part of the baby Boona generation. That's Boona as in curry, as in Indian curry. And this woman's addiction... Uh, she didn't actually know that she was... Pre- I never understand how people don't know. She didn't know she was pregnant. She collapsed in the street with pain, and she thought it was her love of spicy curry that was giving her stomach pains. And then she gave birth to a six-pound cutie, Thomas. She says, I never once thought I was expecting a baby. Right. How does that happen? Quarter to seven is the time. Morning, everybody, and uh, Nick, this morning, as I told you a short while ago, we'll be looking at this militant Muslim putting up anti-gay posters in East London and gets just a 100 quid fine. Nick will be discussing why homophobic crime isn't dealt with more harshly. Geordie Gregg, editor of the Evening Standard, talking to Nick about what London schools need to do to ensure children can read. And finally, head of Talk London, Boris Johnson, will speak to Nick about the issues to be covered and how he feels about not getting any, any Olympic ticket. I thought he'd said it was the family that didn't get any ticket. I mean, as, as Christo said, I have to agree with Christo, the mayor of London at the London Olympics doesn't have any tickets. Don't be so silly. Of course he'll have tickets. He'll have as many tickets as he wants. He'll be in the VIP section. I mean, I didn't apply for tickets, no. Do you apply for tickets? Oh, did you get any tickets? Oh, you don't know yet. You haven't checked your bank account. Apparently, there's a few people in this building have applied for tickets, you know, for sort of, you know, the opening ceremony or the diving. I think Christo wanted the diving, but I think there was ulterior motives. I know, the diving's very quick. They stand on the... But mind you, I just get ill watching them. I really do. I, I get my hands go even thinking about standing on that top board and diving into that water. I'm afraid it would not happen. I'm, I'm, you applied for fencing. Oh, right, my dad used to do fencing. We used to have his foil at home for, for years and years, and I used to think it was quite good, actually. There's a very good fencing scene in one of the Bond movies. There's a fencing scene there where they go into a... Fe- and they're all wired up 
you know, for the sort of the, the lunches. And what it, I think it must be one of the newer ones, yes. I can't remember which one it is. Oh, is it? All oh, right, you've seen it for the fencing. All oh, right. Do you have a you have the face thing and everything? Oh, you just like fencing. All oh, right. It's not normal, is it? It's just want to go to fencing. I mean, I want to go to the diving, if, if only because I can't dive. And I would love to be able to dive, but my, my fear of heights is so great that I would stand at the top of the thing. I can understand why. There were two people on one of the airline programmes, and they decided to raise some money for whichever charity it was, and they went out to do a bungee jump from a cable car. And the cable car sort of goes, cha 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 all the way up the mountain, stops halfway, and then the man opens the door, and they look out there, and they start crying. And I kept thinking, how silly. How silly that they're crying. And then I, I, was, I was looking at the same, and I was thinking, well, I wouldn't jump out either. You know, I can't understand people who want to throw... Because I'd be so worried, as you would, wouldn't you, that, that, that as you jump, they go, we didn't tighten it round your ankles. What? Yeah, that, that would worry me. So nothing on earth would get me to go. I mean, I can do roller coasters at a push. I mean, I do watch them a couple of times just to make sure nobody looks like they're going to fall out. And, and then I can do it. But I, I still get nervous each and every time. I get nervous, you know, anything, climbing up a small stepladder I find quite nerve-wracking. So uh, the idea of bungee jumping, it ain't going to be happening. Uh, they talk about the Southern Cross care homes, what happens if they go bust, and, uh, and loads of other things beside. All with Nick Ferrari and the team. After seven this morning, it's uh, Katie Nicholl, diary editor of The Mail on Sunday, and author of William and Harry, will be in to take a look at the papers. Happy birthday today for Mavis. And uh, she loves your garden tips. Not doing very well at the moment, apart from tomorrating everything, just to give it that good boost. And every morning, I do try, and I do take a watering can and go round. At the moment, I'm only watering six, seven, eight, nine, ten baskets, uh, plus a pot full of sweet peas. And I staggered up to the garden centre yesterday, in the car, of course, and picked up two big bags of earth and two little ones, because I quite, <laughs> quite like the look of the little ones. And I'm going to replace some earth today and plant out some geraniums, because I've discovered that if you can have any colour throughout the, uh, the summer in the garden... And into the winter. Geraniums last forever. They, and all you've got to do is just remember to deadhead. It's quite easy and to stop them becoming too straggly. Just cut them back and they'll just keep going. They just keep going. So it's, uh, it's geraniums ahead today in between doing the VAT, doing the invoice, putting the pump in the garden thing and probably having a cup of coffee with Lynn. It's all very stressful. So Wendy and brother Stephen wish uh, Mavis a very happy birthday for today. Other stories in the papers. Uh, Robbie Williams... Uh, somebody suggested on the uh, the tour of Take That, with which Robbie is taking part, that he only does three songs. Five is a little bit too many, and uh, it sort of starts turning into the Robbie Williams show, which uh, which we don't want it. Uh, here's Lily Allen, who's so desperate to keep her wedding under wraps, she's paying for extra police to ensure fans and photographers can't get near. So she's going to get married in the sleepy uh, little village of Cranham in Gloucestershire. The main road around the village will be closed. Locals are to get passes to allow them in. Isn't that appalling that somebody can go into your village and start dictating when you can go in? God, if I was, if I was the villagers, in that, I'd be up in arms. Up in arms. Sorry, you want a private wedding? Well, go away somewhere else. Robbie Williams, the doctors told me I had the sex drive of a 100-year-old. Is that, is, is that good or bad? I don't know if that's a good thing. But apparently now he injects sex hormone twice a week. He says he uses testosterone jabs to fight crippling lethargy. He said, it's changed my life. I feel I'm getting second wind. Oh, I don't think you want wind. Kite you want for that. We're built to, but I won't stray. I'm only the third weirdest in the group, and I love it that Gaz sees me as an equal. I don't think he does really, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, other stories in the paper today. Well, the, the new generation, Gary Barlow, Talisa Kelly and uh, Louis, 
Louis with his new face and teeth. Looks very interesting. Uh, whatever happened to uh, Simon Cowell? Too busy. Cheryl Cole? Too upset. And Danny Minogue? Sacked. Well, she wasn't sacked. She just couldn't do both, could she? She couldn't, she couldn't actually manage to do that at all because she was doing the Australian one. Laughter in court as a QC says the banker's fling would not have affected work. You're having a gag, Sir Fred. And this is uh, Sir Fred Goodwin, Royal Bank of Scotland, and uh, the naming of his mistress, which descended into a farce. Ridiculous, isn't it, really? Uh, Paul Daniels, you'll like this, but not a lot, claims he's being stalked by a nude lesbian. <laughs> I mean, it is one of those stories which you quite clearly could not make up for the newspapers, that um, uh, the veteran TV star Paul says the 27-year-old brunette has sent him dozens of X-rated photos. Oh, dear. She's very worrying, isn't she, then? And he says, you never have a camera about when you need one. Never a camera. Uh, very quickly, one here. Uh, it says, apparently CDs can melt in sunny Britain. They're made of plastic, not metal, no matter what they look like. Oh, right. So they do melt, do they, CDs? Yeah, I've, I've, have you had CDs before that have turned gold? Have you had that one where you all of a sudden can't play it? I've, got, I've had old CDs before. Check, you actually check the colour of them. If, if you put your CD into the machine and you discover it's not playing, check the colour of it, because sometimes they turn gold. They go from silver to gold, and it means you can't play it. And it, it, it corrupts. That's all I can tell you, because I had it a few times, and I started checking all my CDs. They've gone gold. Only believe it. And I, and I kept looking at it, thinking, this is, why is this not working? And it's because of something in there. I can't remember what it is, but somebody was saying it. This, uh, this place here, the Gleaming White Mansion, Tyndale Towers, looks lovely when you see it in the estate agent's brochure. The living area, the drinks counter, the Gleaming Mansion. It's all modern. It's, it looks a little bit like an Art Deco building. It's got an indoor pool with a jacuzzi. And then the wider picture is out, and you're surrounded by a scrapyard, a bypass, a giant gasometer, gasometer and a home base store. To be honest, if you were going to spend 3.6 million, this would not be where to spend your money. I mean, I know that the estate agents are probably going, whoa, we've got loads of, uh, loads of coverage in the papers. Yeah, but it's not good. A spokesman said, we've had a Marmite response. People either love it or hate it. Well, quite clearly, they hate it at the moment because it's still on the market. I mean, if you have got to spend that much money, you would expect to get somewhere, you know, like, really good, really, you know, big with, you know, acres of land and herds of wildebeest and stuff like that climbing about all over the place. Stephen Fry can't rule out committing suicide one day after being interviewed on Sky Arts 1 HD about his bipolar disorder. He says, the fact that I'm lucky enough not to have it so seriously doesn't mean that I won't one day kill myself. I might well. Very selfish. Very selfish, Stephen, as you know. Very. What about all the people who you leave behind? And they kicked two people off The Apprentice last night. But to be honest with you, I've got no idea who, who they are. I th one of them is Ellie Reed, and the other is Vincent Disneur. Now, I remember seeing him on the programme, and apparently they'd both go, mm -hmm. why have we been kicked off? Why, why has this happened, and why has that happened? And I think, well, because he didn't like you, and the great British public don't like you either, so that solves that problem. Metro on the front page... An urgent call to legalise drugs globally has been made by a group of former world politicians and high-profile figures. All sorts of people, including very famous people from showbiz, have called for the decriminalisation. How mad. How mad. Because it, they say it just isn't working. It doesn't mean to say you have to decriminalise things. I'm sure they'll be talking about that later on today on LBC. Uh, go to the LBC website, check out the photos. In fact, loads of you have been looking at the photos of me in a hard hat. I don't think you actually believe any of the rubbish that I was helping to build the office at all. But uh, it's all coming on quite well, actually. 
and we'll have a new reception, all sorts of fantastic things. So check that out, the blog and the podcast a little bit later on. I'll be back with you tomorrow morning for Friday. John Warrington will be here. Have a nice day. Nick and the team with you after news at seven. First of all, the business update with Sam Pitter.